Good morning. Well, that was pretty good first try. I like that. Good morning. We're excited. It's Christmas. I don't know if James Taylor is the best Christmas album. I mean, Michael Bublé would be my go-to for Christmas. Oh, who's listened to a Michael Bublé Christmas song already? Oh, do you see that? I think it's better. I think it's better. Or it's better. Might be. We'll see. I am glad to be with you this morning. I love the Christmas season. I went to a Christmas market on Friday, so I feel like it's really Christmas now, and my tree's up, and our lights are up. Does anyone not have their tree up yet? Oh, a few. You can still, there's still time. You should do it today, though. Next week, Matt will ask if you've put your tree up. I think that's a more important question than James Taylor, <laughs> in my opinion. It's fine. It's good to be together this morning. We are continuing the reunion series that we've been going through for a number of weeks. We have talked about what the gospel is. We talked about the gospel in one word, which we call just defined as Jesus. We talked about the gospel in three words, which is Jesus is Lord. And then we talked about the gospel in 30 words, which was Jesus is God with us, which we talked about is the ground of the gospel. And what did he come to do? There's four things that we talked about that Jesus came to do for us that we can't do for ourselves. The gifts of the gospel. Jesus is God with us, come to show us God's love, save us from sin, set up God's kingdom, and shut down religion. And why did he do it? So we can share in God's life. So today we're going to look at that last phrase of the good news of the gospel in 30 words. We're not going to go past 30 words because at some point you might as well just read the whole Bible. Uh, I googled last night because I was curious. Uh, The Bible in the NIV is 727,969 words. So that's the gospel (laughs) in that many words. I also discovered, because you know when you Google things and then there's a like, people also search, that it would take us 70 hours and 40 minutes to do that, if you're curious. I got down a really deep Google rabbit trail last night about this. Um, But that's how long it would take us. But for today, we're going to stick to the last part, the gospel in 30 words. We're not even going to do 30 words, just the last part. And we're going to talk about what it means to share in God's life. Jesus did all of these amazing things. He came to do all of these things. What's the end game? And answering this question is especially important because I think that I've actually had this wrong for a lot of my Christ-following life, and perhaps you have too. I always thought that the end game, the goal of everything, following Jesus, going to church, reading the Bible, all that stuff, was Genesis 1. Eden was the goal. Adam and Eve were created by God, and it was perfect, and that's what we were aiming to get back to. This is what I wanted. Anybody else? Is this not what you're dreaming of one day? Yeah? I'm, I'm sort of kidding, mostly because it's really hard to find appropriate pictures of Eden. Um, turns out. Uh, so while I was in my rabbit trail of children's Bible pictures and strategically placed foliage in my searches... Um, I actually found some really beautiful word imagery that's really well written, plus I'm the children's pastor and I can. Um, So we're going to read from a children's Bible this morning. Um, It's called the Jesus Storybook Bible by Sally Lloyd-Jones. It's one of my favorites, and I would like to read to you her picture of Eden that she writes. So God breathed life into Adam and Eve. When they opened their eyes, the first thing they ever saw was God's face. And when he saw them, he was like a new dad. You look like me, he said. You're the most beautiful thing I've ever made. God loved them with all of his heart, and they were lovely because he loved them. 
And Adam and Eve joined in the song of the stars and the streams and the wind and the trees, the wonderful song of love to the one who made them. Their hearts were filled with happiness, and nothing ever made them sad or lonely or sick or afraid. God looked at everything he had made. Perfect, he said, and it was. But all the stars and the mountains and oceans and galaxies and everything were nothing compared to how much God loved his children. He would move heaven and earth to be near them, always, whatever happened, whatever it cost him. He would always love them. And so it was that the wonderful love story began. Isn't that beautiful? Doesn't it make sense that that's what we would want to go back to? Isn't that right? I think she actually does a really good job of encapsulating this forever love of God in creation that we're going to explore further today. But reading Genesis 1 and reading this story in this picture of Eden, I always thought that the goal was reunion to this beginning. And there is a reunion to this intimacy that we once had in the Garden of Eden to the beginning But there's also a new union. Because through the incarnation, when Jesus came to earth, God bonded with humanity so that we can bond with him and form this intimate union that actually goes beyond the intimacy that was experienced in the Garden of Eden. We aren't going back. We're actually moving forward to something even better. Better than what we just read. Like, isn't that amazing? Can you even imagine? Oh, no. Can we go back one? Sorry. Back again? Perfect. Okay. So, we're talking about this new union that happens because Jesus came to earth, which I think is the perfect thing to be talking about right before Christmas. It's, I don't, does anyone know how many days it is till Christmas? No one knows. Wow. There's, that's because the children aren't here. That's why. They would be able to tell you. I think it's, it's somewhere around two weeks. It's about two weeks away from Christmas, and I'm really, I'm really glad that we're able to talk this morning about the difference that it makes, what's the point, what's the end game of why Jesus came to earth, and I think it makes, um, it changes the goal of the gospel. It changes the good news of Jesus coming to earth for the goal being Eden to something even more. And it's, I think, important to understand this because if I were to ask just like a random group of churchy people what the goal of the gospel was, they might say, to get us into heaven when we die. And that wouldn't be like entirely wrong. Definitely that's talked about in scripture that there's this this destiny for those who are in Christ and something about heaven. But the Bible also gives clues to what we call heaven that's actually less of a place and more of a person. Heaven is shorthand for our eternal life lived within God's own life. And this is one I want to explore together this morning. So, we've looked at the start of the story. We know kind of where we're headed. We're going to skip to the last chapter because we want to find out what happens, okay? So, we're going to go to Revelation. If you have your Bibles, you can turn there with me to Revelation 21. It's basically, if you're not sure, just go to the end Um, because that's where we're skipping to really, really close to the end, and we're going to look at verses 21 and 22. And listen to what John says about what God showed him in this dream for imagery of the final kingdom. The new heaven and the new earth is what he calls it in verse 1 of this chapter, and he's talking about the new Jerusalem, the new holy land where everyone comes to meet with God. So Revelation 21, verse 21 to 22. 
The 12 gates were made of pearls, and each gate came from a single pearl, and the main street was pure gold, as clear as glass. I saw no temple in the city, for the Lord God Almighty and the Lamb are its temple. Okay, so here's where we maybe, like, even if you're not really a churchy person, where we, like, think about, when you think about heaven, you think of the pearly gates and the streets of gold. Okay, there's some of that. It's definitely in the Bible, right? It's there. Is that literally accurate? I don't know. I'm not the right person to ask. You can ask a smart person, and whether or not they're right, I don't know either, okay? But what about the temple? What is the temple like? This was the vision of the new Jerusalem, the place where God's people in Jerusalem, this is where they would journey back at Passover every year to be with him. No matter how far they'd gone, no matter where they moved and lived, they would go back to Jerusalem every year because that's where God's temple was. That's where God dwelt. That's how you got close to God. And yet in heaven, in this new Jerusalem that John is talking about, that God has shown him, there is no temple. Why? Because God himself is the temple. This place that we are journeying back to isn't Jerusalem, it isn't Eden, it isn't even the heavens. What we call heaven is scriptural short for our eternal life in God. Now, since I have it with me, and again, because I'm the children's pastor and as I can, we're going to read more from this children's Bible. Um, And so I want to read to you how Jones summarizes Revelation and the end of her book. It was hard to squeeze all John saw into words and fit it onto a page and cram it into a book. All the words and all the pages of all the books in all the world would never be enough. I am the beginning, Jesus said, and the ending. One day John knew heaven would come down and mend God's broken world and make it our true, perfect home once again. And he knew in some mysterious way that it would be hard to explain that everything was going to be more wonderful for once having been so sad. And he knew that the ending of the story was going to be so great, it would make all the sadness and tears and everything seem like just a shadow that is chased away by the morning sun. I'm on my way, said Jesus. I'll be there soon. John came to the end of his book, but he didn't write the end because, of course, that's how stories finish, and this one's not over yet. So instead he wrote, Come quickly, Jesus, which perhaps is just another way of saying to be continued. There's a particular phrase that I want to pull out from Jones's summary. Um, in some mysterious way, everything was going to be more wonderful for once having been so sad. Perhaps what will make sharing in God's life so much better than it was in Eden is that we're not going to take it for granted. We won't want to take a bite of that fruit because we already know what happens. We won't want to test the boundaries of Eden because it's not about being in Eden. It's about being with God. And God has shown us that through the incarnation of Christ, Jesus coming to earth, he showed us that. Because isn't it true that who you're with makes all the difference? No matter what you're doing, no matter where you are. You could be at the best church in the world with the best theology and the most purposeful worship, but if the people there kind of suck, the church kind of sucks, you know? Or you could be on the worst road trip of your life. You could get a flat tire and lose your, like your GPS dies or your phone dies and you don't know where you are. I actually had that one of the first times I drove to Calgary by myself. My phone died and I had to knock on a stranger's door to ask to change my phone, to charge my phone. And she was 12 and kept telling me her parents were going to be home soon. And I think she thought I was going to 
I don't know. She was very scared. But she let me charge my phone, and then Colin came and found me, and now everything was okay. But, <laughs> so bad things happen, so I hate driving. Driving can just, there's so many bad things that can happen when you're driving. And I've, I've also had this experience when I flew six hours. I had a six-hour flight from Calgary to Houston with my engaged-to-be at the time in-laws, who I barely knew because my husband and I's dating relationship was long distance. And so we were going for this trip to surprise my, at the time, fiancé, Colin, at university. And on this trip, our connection flight from Houston to Tennessee got canceled. And we had to drive for 15 hours (laughs) with these people I didn't really know through this rainstorm in the middle of the night. And we didn't have our luggage. They couldn't find it. I don't know what happened to it. Through from Texas to Louisiana, Mississippi, Alabama, Georgia, Tennessee, and to Kentucky. It was a real long drive. And I tell you what, that trip could have really sucked. And Colin didn't know I was coming, so I couldn't text him to be like, help me, I'm alone, and I don't know what's going on. But instead of that trip sucking, my father-in-law, Ron, and I talked for almost the entire 15 hours. And I can genuinely say that I'm thankful for that travel disaster. And it's not because of the scenery, because it was just like golden arches every 15 minutes through the rain. That's all I saw. So why am I thankful for that trip? Because of who I was with. Who you're with makes all the difference. What if we shift our desire for heaven and eternity from a place to a person? Because even if you're not a church person, when someone dies, we kind of all just like, no matter what you believe, we kind of hope for heaven in some way, right? Have you been simply hoping for the heavens But what are the heavens without God? Sure, Eden was probably nice, but what is, what is shalom? This word that we talk about at Sunrise all the time. Shalom is about relationship. Shalom is peace, wholeness, completeness with God, with self, with others. It's this all-encompassing relational wholeness. It means experiencing a relationship with God in a complete way with all that he is and all that he has created. In week one of Starting Point, we do this exercise where we talk through barriers that people might experience in their relationship with God from experiencing shalom, specifically through each part of the Trinity is how we talk through it. Because if the goal is God himself, sharing life with him, shalom, why don't we always experience that? Why don't we always feel that? If you believe something about someone that isn't a good thing, it's going to hurt your relationship. It's going to change the way you interact with them. That's the same with with any person that you know. It's the same with God. So in this starting point, we do this little exercise, and I want to briefly look at a little bit of that together this morning. When we talk about barriers of relationship, we talk about, one of them we talk about is God as Father. Words like distant, cold, harsh, angry, vengeful, these always come up when we talk about this. Barriers that might, someone might have in their relationship with God when it comes to understanding God as our Father. That's a barrier, isn't it? If you believe that someone is one of these things, it's going to hurt your relationship with them. If you believe someone's all of these things, you probably don't spend a lot of time with that person. So we start this exercise just by naming those barriers and those obstacles, those things we might believe, and then ask, what is actually true? 
Now, actually working through these, like we're not going to be able to do that all (laughs) this morning, and it's more than a five-minute exercise, but it's somewhere to start to name what those barriers are because you can't get rid of them if you don't know what they are. Like with these understandings of God as our Father, I personally have barriers here. The other day I was flipping through one of my devotional journals just like, I think it's a, I like to do it every now and then just to see different prayers that God's answered and just see what I was thinking through and praying through in different times. And I read in September of 2018, I was reading a lot of the Old Testament. And this particular day, I was reading Deuteronomy 7, and there's a lot of destruction and anger. And I mean, I went to Bible school, and I know how to talk through these things, and I know what the truths are, but I was just reading it. And I just, like I wrote, like I'm struggling with Old Testament destruction. This isn't who, who I know Jesus to be. But then why is it here? I have so many questions. What is true? Is God angry? Is he angry at me? Do you see how these could be barriers for a relationship? But if I look at these barriers and I see how Jesus relates to the Father, things actually shift. Because calling God our Father, as Jesus taught us to do, isn't actually something that was a Middle Eastern sign of respect. And that's not, that's not why he was doing it. In fact, it wasn't common in the Jewish religion, but something Jesus introduced and he emphasized. Using, using the term Father for God was actually considered disrespectful because it made God sound too familiar and too intimate. Religion does tend to emphasize God's transcendence, his being out there, but Jesus also emphasized God's imminence, God's being right here as our loving Father. So even for myself, I'm learning to to ask questions and identify my own barriers and learn who Jesus taught us that God is as the best picture that we've ever had of who God is. Because it's important that we replace those barriers and those misunderstandings with truth if we're going to experience a close relationship with God. We can so easily separate Jesus and the Father, but God is one. And God longs to be close to you. He loves you. He wants to share in his life with you as soon as you're willing to accept it. And I'm, so I'm learning to read scripture more accurately and know God personally. And through those things, I'm discovering that he is close, relational, kind, loving, patient. Now, again, this conversation right here, we're not going to work through God's anger and solve all of those theological questions people have been asking. But I want to show you why it's important to acknowledge those struggles. Why, why it's important to identify them. Because if you ignore them, you're always going to be missing out on a greater intimacy with God. You'll always be holding back in some way on your relationship with him if you believe those top things about him. So I would encourage you sometime this week to actually do this chart. Not for other people and what you think their barriers might be. I'm really good at doing things for other people and what I think they need. Um, don't do it for other people. Do this for yourself. Just see what comes up. Just see what might be there. And be really, really honest with yourself about it. What are some barriers that you have? And if you do this chart and you feel like you might have some barriers to intimacy with God because of who you've understood him to be, whether God is Father, Son, Holy Spirit, just God, whatever, maybe it's something that's happened in your life. For a lot of people, when we do this exercise, It's a really terrible relationship with their earthly father that makes it really hard for them to relate to God as their father. Maybe that's something for you. 
to acknowledge these barriers and in this process of finding what's true, because that's, that's like a lifelong journey. It really is a lifelong journey. In the process of finding what is true to these barriers, something that could be profoundly helpful for you, and I would encourage every single person to do this, would be to make an appointment with our prayer ministries in our healing ministry. Every Monday night in this church, there are people who are waiting and available. You can set up in-person or online meetings to pray with you. Women, play with, women pray with women, men pray with men. It's you and two people. And they specifically want to work through these barriers. They want to work through what's holding you back from experiencing sharing in God's life. You can email prayer at sunwestchurch.com. You can talk to Carla Berg or Kendra Bearscale. They're some of our leaders of our inner healing ministry. You can talk to them. You can ask them questions about what this is and just find out more about it. Don't even wait till you fill this chart because I know sometimes I'm like sitting in a church service and I have really good intentions to do this kind of stuff and then I don't actually do it. If that's going to hold you back, don't wait. Don't fill out that chart. Just make an appointment. Don't let that be what holds you back from reaching out to the prayer team. This, the, that chart is a really, really great tool. If you aren't actually going to do it, but you do want to grow closer to God, and you aren't sure how or why you're not experiencing that, I'm going to challenge you to make an appointment with our inner healing ministry. Now, I'm saying that that's a very, very specific thing that I'm asking people and inviting people to do. Um, now, when I hear something like that, I tend to feel God's promptings, kind of, like I feel them in my body. I feel them very physically. I either get like this pressure in my chest, or sometimes I get like, just like shivers down my arm, or I sometimes get this little, I don't know, shake thing. Or sometimes I can actually like feel my, oh, you can't feel your brain, but I can like feel it <laughs> in my mind <laughs> of, of like me trying to stop a prompt from God, like, Ugh! don't make me think that. Stop it. No, no. Like I'm trying to stop the thought process of God in my mind. I'm like, no, don't tell me to do that. I don't want to do that. So whether you get prompted by God through words in your mind, or you get a feeling, or it's by someone encouraging you, maybe you you follow God's direction by other people's direction in your life that God works through. Well, I'm talking to you right now, so you can count that as that. I want to encourage you If you're feeling or thinking, oh, I don't know if I want to do that. That sounds kind of weird to me. Would you just say yes? If you're feeling that, like, no, hard pass, that's not something that's for me. If you don't feel ready for, for that, there are, there are other options too. Um, and maybe a little less scary or smaller step could be, after church every Sunday, we have people who want to pray with you, who stand here at the front. Would you take a step and just ask for prayer this morning? It's not if you feel like you're not ready to go to an inner healing prayer appointment. Or think about if you need to process. I'm very like, let's do it. My husband's a process person, and so sometimes we fight while I'm waiting for him to process. (laughs) If you're a process person and you need time to think through things, Also, in the winter semester, there's going to be a group called Changes That Heal that's part of our prayer ministry. You can wait for details on that and think maybe that's something if if a group setting is maybe better than a two-on-one that you'd be more ready for. There's a lot of really great options that you can go and address some barriers to experience greater intimacy with God. 
because we can't just let them be there. It's great that you acknowledge them. It'd be great if I went up to someone and said, I think you're really cold and distant and angry. Okay, let's do something about it. Let's do something about these barriers that we have in experiencing a close relationship with God. There's so many options that we have available. I, I phoned Carla Burke a couple times this week, actually. Um, she's the leader of our prayer ministry, and I just asked, like, is there anything that you want to say about the prayer ministry? And she just said, the thing about it is, is it's always a beautiful thing to connect with the Lord. So maybe you don't feel like you've got barriers or things that need healing. So you could view this more as like an annual checkup, right? Something that you just go do just to make sure things are good, just to see what's going on. And just, just take that leap. Would you make an appointment? Would you email prayer at someonechurch.com and make an appointment with our inner healing ministry? Or would you come for prayer after the service today? If you're um, online, you can just email prayer at someonechurch.com. You're not committing to a Monday night ministry when you email them. You can always email them if you have prayer requests. At any time, you can always email the prayer ministry and they would love to pray with you and for you. Would you think about joining a group specifically about addressing these barriers, changes that heal in the new year. Let's be a church that prays. Let's be a church that seeks inner healing through prayer because we're a community of people seeking to experience greater intimacy with God. Wherever you're at, whether you're already experiencing a little bit of closeness with God, if you'd say you have this awesome relationship with God, if you don't even know if you want a relationship with God, and you're curious why or why not, you might be feeling that way. What if we were all actively seeking to eliminate anything and everything that's holding us back from sharing in God's life? From experiencing our eternal purpose right here, right now. Because if our goal is relationship with God himself, sharing in his life, it's not just the heavens that we're aiming for. And this changes the timeline of our goal as well. Because it gets rid of the, when I, get to, when I die, I want to get to heaven. It gets rid of that way of thinking. When God himself, Jesus, laid in a manger as a baby, he didn't cease to be divine, and he didn't cease to be the person he always was, and the same is for us. When we die, we'll be ourselves, but we'll be caught up in the life of God, made complete, existing in the way we were always meant to live and always meant to be. But that life with God can begin in this life. Shalom can begin in this life. And I think I've always known this. I don't know that I, I knew that I knew it, but I think I did. When I talk about my relationship with God, because I would say I'd been born again. If you've accepted a relationship with God, you've been born again, you've already been born again, and this doesn't mean we start to live perfect, spiritually mature lives, free from all failure. It does mean that our spirit, our center is remade, cleansed, empowered here and now. And I've heard it explained like this. So in the timeline of our lives, we have our human life and our death. And I used to always think, and then we have eternity. Pretend my arm is forever. <laughs> right? And I kind of thought that this is how, this, this is how I experienced this. But when you accept Christ, there's actually an overlap. Because Jesus didn't cease to be divine when he came to earth, nor did he cease to be human when he resurrected, which shows us that heaven isn't this loss of humanity into something else, but it's entering into life with God, and that starts before we die. 2 Corinthians 5.17, if anyone is in Christ, they 
are a new creation. The old is gone, the new has come. Not when people die, then they're a new creation. John 17, verse 3. And this is the way to have eternal life, to know you, the only true God, Jesus Christ, the one who you sent to earth. That's the way, is to know God. And that can start before you die. If you want to read a bigger picture in scripture of this later, John 17 is a really great chapter that has a lot of overlap of the right now and the eternity. So circling back to that chart we looked at earlier and thinking about our barriers that might be holding us back from experiencing this life of new creation and of eternity, would you take steps to take down those barriers? No matter where you're at, even if your relationship with God is in the best place it's ever been, can't we all take steps to experience God more closely? To overlap with eternity a bit more? John 6, 47, I tell you the truth, anyone who believes has eternal life. Jesus didn't promise that it's a one-day thing. He said, when we trust him, we will have eternal life. We've already crossed over into that life that lasts forever. And isn't that the point? Isn't that the so what of why Jesus came? That Jesus already did it all? Galatians 2.20, my old self has been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. So I live in this earthly body by trusting the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Ephesians 2, 6-7, for he raised us from the dead along with Christ and seated us with him in the heavenly realms because we are united with Christ Jesus. So God can point us in all future ages as examples of the incredible wealth of his grace and kindness towards us, as shown in all he has done for us who are united with Christ Jesus. This is a past tense verse. He's raised us. He's seated us with him. We are united. And there's more to come. Now, what does this living the goal of sharing life with God look like right now? What happens when we start eternity now? By his divine power, 2 Peter 1, God has given us everything we need for a godly life. Has given us everything we need for a godly life. We have received all of this by coming to know him, the one who called us to himself by means of his marvelous glory and excellence. And because of his glory and excellence, he has given us great and precious promises. These are the promises that enable you to share in God's divine nature and escape the world's corruption caused by human desires. Now notice how our understanding of our goal of the gospel could change our understanding of this passage. What if the godly life, God has given us everything we need for living a godly life, what if it's not just about you being a perfect person, but it's about a life with God? He's given us everything we need to live life with God. We can share in his divine nature so we don't have to fall into the ways of living life without God. When we share in God's divine nature, it means that we can live the way that we were created to live. As God's image bearers, we can share in his divine nature where we aren't tempted by the ways of the world. Now, my son is 18 months old, and he has a daily temptation 
to rip ornaments off our Christmas tree. It's, it's a daily struggle. Some days are better than others. He doesn't know what they're for. He doesn't care that they're pretty. He'll go pretty and rip it off. You know? He just wants to play with them. And I, I was just thinking about that, and I was thinking about wanting to grow um, closer to God and what it meant to share in his divine nature. And I was just thinking, like, it's like getting closer to God is kind of like teaching my son not to wreck this tree. There are things in our lives that we really want to do, even though we're not supposed to, even though we weren't made for them. Maybe they're not the best things for us, but they just look so good and they're so hard to stop, you know? It's hard to stop ourselves from doing the things that we want, even if it hurts us. We just want to do it. It's fun. Like when Nolan rips an ornament off, his tree, off the tree, it's like a cackle. He's like, ha, ha, ha. He's so happy when he does it. And then when I take it away, he has this meltdown. He's like, no, no. He's very upset, right? There's this, this toddler impulsive nature that he has, but as he grows up, I'm praying to the Lord that that's going to change. And he won't be like a toddler forever, right? As we grow closer to God, our self-focused nature will change. We'll start to share in God's divine nature and our impulse for self, for the things that we want, whether it's attention or money or comfort or whatever the thing is that you really, really want that you know is not good for you, that you know you weren't created for. As we share in God's divine nature, that impulse quiets and our impulses become more like God's. So as we live into eternity and grow in intimacy with God, overcoming more and more of what's holding us back and living more and more into this godly life, there's definitely a call to obedience here, which has got a lot of things, and I don't want to get caught up in that this morning. Let's just go back to that picture of heaven in a new way by asking ourselves this question. What kind of life do you want to live into eternity? What kind of life are you hoping for? Because it's not that first picture of that children's Bible of Eden. If what we're hoping for is sharing in God's life, what do you want that to look like into eternity? Are you longing for a life of love? Grow closer to God. Start living a life of love right now. He wants to help you do that. He wants to do that with you. Are you longing for a life of peace, of shalom, where the way that you view yourself is actually healthy, where the relationships that you have with other people are actually healthy? Are you longing for that? Start drawing closer to God. Start living that life of peace right now. He wants to help you live like that. Are you longing for a life of intimacy? You don't want to be alone. We say that all the time at SunWest. We don't believe in doing life alone because God has created us for relationship. Grow closer to God. Start reconciling broken relationships now. Seek shalom with God and others now. Do you want a life of celebration, of joy? Start celebrating. We have so much to celebrate and we don't have to wait. All of this is possible. It's available to you now, and it starts and ends with a relationship with our Creator who longs to welcome you and longs to welcome us into his life of love, 
who wants us to experience shalom and we don't have to wait. Jesus is God with us. He has come to show us God's love, to save us from sin. He set up God's kingdom. He shut down religion. And he did all of this so that we can share in God's life. He wants to be close to you. He wants to break down those barriers. Would you take steps to break down those barriers? Let's pray. God, we thank you so much for Jesus. We thank you that Eden wasn't enough for you. That you wanted to be even closer to us. That you chose to become a human so that you could be close to us in a whole new way. So we pray in this Christmas season and Advent as we're anticipating, celebrating your coming, that we would remember the so what. We would remember the why. Why did you come? Why did you give us all these gifts? So we could share in life with you. Help us to break down our barriers of relationship with you and share in this beautiful life that you created us for. In Jesus' name. good father it's who he is you're never alone you are loved by him it's who you are in the same tone that we started this morning I would like to close with this beautiful word picture from the Jesus storybook bible this is how Jones closes off her book For anyone who says yes to Jesus, for anyone who believes what Jesus said, for anyone who will just reach out and take it, then God will give them this wonderful gift. To be born into a whole new life, to be who they really are, who God has always made them to be, their own true selves, God's dear child. Because, you see, the most wonderful thing about this story is, it's your story too. And that story doesn't have to wait until you die. That story can start right now. Eternity can start right now. And we can break down any barriers that we have that are holding us back from a relationship with God right now. We have people on our prayer team who have come up who are ready to pray with you, who want to pray with you this morning, or turn to someone next to you, pray with them. Take a minute and just sit and pray. God wants to be close to you. Do you want to be close to him? That's what the whole season of Christmas is about. It's about God with us, Jesus Emmanuel. And I'm excited to be able to celebrate that together. That's all I have for you this morning. I hope you all have a great week and experience a closer, closer relationship with God than you've had before. Amen. Thank mm-hmm. you.